Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show with William Kramer and my co-host Aaron Bontrager. We cover local sports, including the NIC and NLC conferences, plus teams in North or in St. Joseph and Elkhart counties. We also cover college and pro sports. Today, we will recap high school football week six and preview week seven. Discuss big things happening in the college football world. Talk about the NFL as well as Major League Baseball and the Southland Club Cubs uh, playoffs. So let's jump into our first topic of this episode. And we're going to recap high school football week six, starting with the Bremen Lions and John Glenn Falcons. Uh, without the services of the arm of Silas Ladig, uh, Bremen was forced to run a ball more than they normally typically do. Lance Moser had 150 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. And the Lions' defense had four interceptions, and Bremen beat John Glenn 14 to 7. LaVille, 21, Knotts, 20. Uh, Paul DeWitt opened the scoring in the first quarter on a 34 yard rushing scamper. The PAT was blocked. Knotts responded when Cohen Watson scored from one yard out. Knotts led at halftime 7 to 6, which Aaron probably surprised a lot of people. Late in the third quarter, Lovell's Lucas Plummer scored on an eight-yard touchdown run and also converted the two-point conversion to make Lovell go up 14-7. Now in the fourth quarter, Lucas scored on a three-yard rushing touchdown to go up 21-7. Not did score two rushing touchdowns. Uh, the latter touchdown was scored with just under a minute to go in the fourth quarter. Knotts went for the two-point conversion to win the game, but was denied by the LaVille defense. Coach Racky doesn't believe in moral victories, but to come so close to upsetting LaVille has to feel good for his ball club and for the Redskins. Now, if you're LaVille, Aaron, you have to feel kind of lucky that you came away victorious. You know, good teams find a way to win even when they are not playing their A game. And that's exactly what Lavelle did. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, I guess. Sometimes. Now, let's look to the Riley and Washington game. And I was actually at this game uh, as I was working the game from Washington. And this was uh, an incredible game. Just so many plays being made on offense. It was a back-and-forth game. Riley jumped out to an early lead, but Washington came back to take the lead. 26 to 24 with 624 to go in the fourth quarter. Riley tacked on a score to make it 26 21 with just a few minutes to go in the game. Now, Washington had the ball at the one yard line, Aaron, ready to put this game away when a fumble on the one yard line between the center and quarterback exchange fell on the turf and Riley recovered. Now, the Wildcats had to go 99 yards to uh, score and they did exactly that, making the score 28 26. Riley now, Washington still had time to come back and they were making a couple of completions. Uh, they was they were driving down the field. Um, but unfortunately for the Panthers, a pick six as time went uh down to zero on the score clock ended the game and and Riley. One thirty-four 34-26. Uh, what a uh, heroic effort by both squads. 
Yeah, tough, tough way to lose if you're Washington. Did you see the uh, nice grab by the one kid? Saw it on the news. I forget. It was at the Washington receiver. Yes, I did. Uh, that was by senior uh, um, Jason Dockery. He had right. an unbelievable catch that really turned the tide for Washington. Wow. But Riley holds on there. Man. What a game. All right, we're going to move on to some NLC action. Northwood took care of business in Plymouth as they won 48-0. Owen Raider had another great game, had five touchdown passes to go along with his 264 yards. And according to Max Preps, he is in the top five in passing yards for Class 4A. He also is in the second place with uh, 16 touchdown passes, which is just shy of the kid from New Palestine who has more, a little bit of more. Uh, J.J. Payne and Nitro Tuggle each had two touchdown grabs. Both had over 100 all-purpose yards. Wes Yoder also had another uh, 100 yards running and receiving combined. And the defense got a shutout here, led by Keith, Keith Miller, 10 tackles, Luke Miller, 9, and Ethan Evers with 7. And then Ryan Miller also had two interceptions, and Ben Fatarasso had one as well. I probably got that name wrong, but Northwood didn't look ahead and got the W. The next one, Northridge 42, Wallace 17. Warriors opened up with 3-0 lead, but after that, the Raiders were just too much on offense. Their up-tempo system kind of hurt the Warriors in this one. Uh, Cade Carrington passed for five touchdowns to four different Raider receivers. The Raiders would lead 21-10 at half. Then they scored another 21 in the second half. Wallace has some key injuries in this one. Uh, senior quarterback Jackson Brown went out with a right leg injury. And they also didn't play with their three-year starting left tackle. So the Warriors have a tough three games in the season. Hopefully they get healthy. Uh, moving on to Concord, they beat Goshen 37-7. to uh, Concord was in total control on this one. They led 23-0 at half. The Minutemen's defense was dominant, only allowed about a yard in the first half. Um, eight, 80 total yards the whole game. An offense, they wanted to establish the run, and they did that in this one. Uh, Behind a huge effort from their O-line, junior running back Shaman Wells-Moores, or Moore, who rushed for 154 yards. He also caught a pair of touchdown catches from uh, sophomore quarterback Hudson Glantz. Glantz, And Glantz also found Michael Campanello on a 24-yard touchdown pass. Titus Hackworth came back from injury and scored two rushing touchdowns as well, so... All Concord in this one. Goshen uh, got a touchdown in the late late time in the fourth. That was their only score. Another injury uh, hits the Red Hawks with quarterback Quinn Bechtel. May have broken his collarbone in the third quarter. Hate to hear this for an already banged-up Goshen team. Then moving on to the, the big game, uh, Mishawaka. 43, Warsaw 19. Will, you know, I went with Warsaw on this one. 
and I was wrong. Shout out to my uncle and aunt. They gave me a hard time about this. Uh, a little context, their oldest son is an assistant coach for the K-Men. So it was a good weekend for the, the Stoner family as Jimtown took care of business in their game too. Their youngest son, Corey, of course, is the head coach for the Jimmies. But back to the game here. So, man, I got to go back and watch this. The K-Men were impressive in all phases. Their O-line led by Tanner Parmley and Dawson Nowacki, the dogs as they refer to themselves as. They were open up some huge holes for quarterback Brady Fisher and lead back Chase Gooden. Uh, both had over 20 carries. Fisher had 94 yards and three touchdowns. And Gooden added over 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns as well. Caveman made huge plays on defense as well, led by Jack Troyer. Had a huge interception. Malik Washington and Zeke Valdez added some big stops in the key moments of the game. And according to Coach Curtis, Warsaw didn't quit like they did the week before, so he saw some good things for this team. Uh, they were able to fight, but yeah, they couldn't overcome that start in the first half where Mishawaka really took it to them. And Warsaw turned the ball over five times, which you can't beat anyone turning the ball over that much, especially a team like Mishawaka. So shout out to Mishawaka. They're playing physical, powerful team that'll likely be moving up to number one in their class. Well-deserved and what an impressive win. This is their first win against Warsaw since joining the NLC Conference. And the Cavemen improved to 6-0. For the first time since 2010. All right, we're going to move on to previewing some week t- uh, week seven games. Uh, right now, as far as our predictions, I'm 17 and two. Will you're 18 and three. So we've been, we're, we've done pretty good with this. Not bad, Aaron. Not bad. Yeah, we'll see if we can keep the streak going. Um, here, Plymouth at Goshen. Um, both teams are. Any win would be good for them, so I think Goshen should win this one. We'll see how much the injuries have caught up with them. I think they have a little bit more talent and experience than Plymouth does, but nothing would surprise me in this one. If this is a game Plymouth can win this year, this is the one right here. Um, I'll go with Goshen. Then we got Wallace C visiting Warsaw, battled the W County rivals here squaring off in Warsaw. I think Warsaw will be hungry to get back on the winning end of things after two tough weeks. I like Warsaw to come out early, establish their physicality up front, and I like them to get their fifth win and third conference win here. And then we have a battle of 500 teams, Concord 3-3, three and three, visiting Northridge, who's 3-3 three and three as well. One of them will come away kind of being in that middle tier of the NLC conference. And I think Concord has grown a lot on offense, but uh, so it should make this a pretty even matchup. I do favor Northridge just because if you look at their comparative games, Concord played Northwood a little better than Northridge. Northridge played Elkhart a little tougher than Concord. And then both teams, of course, dominated Wallace C. Um, uh, I think Concord's defense will get tested in this one, and I can see the Raiders kind of pulling away late. And uh, yeah, so Northridge gets the win here. You know, Aaron, uh, this is outside of Northwood and Mishawaka game, which you're going to preview next. This might be 
the second best game this Friday for NLC because uh, Concord, like you said, they're slowly getting better. Um, that defense of Concord, I've been impressed with. Yes, they give uh, quite a bit of points against Northwood. Who hasn't? Uh, you know, they gave up points against Elkhart. Who hasn't? Uh, but uh, Northridge, I like their offense. It'll be neat to see who wins this battle between Northridge offense and Concord's defense. What can Concord's offense do against Northridge's defense? Um, so it uh, should be a great game, great environment at Northridge. Going to be a good one. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Northwood 6-0 and visiting Mishawaka 6-0. and What a matchup we have in store for us. Conference championship likely on the line. A lot of eyes from around the state will be on this one. And Mishawaka has dominated in the previous two seasons since joining the NLC, that is. Um, Northwood has one of the more explosive offenses in the conference and area overall. Mishawaka is probably the more physical team, doesn't beat themselves. This game will be a battle of styles. Uh, both teams are pretty physical up front, have speed on the edges, and have tough defensive units. Northwood's offense will pose some challenges to Mishawaka that they haven't really faced yet, maybe since Northridge. Uh, but I give the slight edge to the Cavemen O-line and D-line. They look like the toughest in the conference. Uh, I was impressed by watching them against Warsaw. So I'm going to go with Mishawaka, not because of my family ties, but I think I like the Cavemen to kind of pull away with the conference here. I think they have that tenacity and what it takes to outlast the Panthers. Wow. So Aaron going with the Mishawaka Cavemen or the Northwood Panthers, uh, what I call that is. Uh, I got to say, uh, Mishawaka, I don't believe, has faced an offense like they're going to see Friday. Uh, I would characterize this game as power versus finesse. You have... Um, um, I hate to even say that Mishawaka doesn't have a speed because they do, but uh, especially on the on the outside with the skill positions, um, can Mishawaka uh, in the back end of the defense deal with that the skill and the speed that Northwood is going to pose on them? Now, I I would expect to see a lot of quick throws out of Northwood uh uh plays that do not require a long time to develop just because like you were saying you're giving the Mishawaka uh linemen the uh the um favor over Northwood right so they probably don't have a lot of time to throw uh so I would I would see a lot of uh, shorter throws and then the question to me is can the secondary of Mishawaka close uh the the space and then make tackles in the space you know can they can they win those one-on-one battles on the perimeter because i just don't see northwood having success in the interior of that defense and and being able to rush the ball north and south i think you got to win the perimeter if you're northwood win the win the perimeter win the outside um and then try your best to pack the bots and defense and and stuff the 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 line of scrimmage as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Those maybe Northwood has like four or five quality playmakers. So yeah, if I'm Mishawaka, I, I would be 
be a little scared of those guys, but we'll see what happens Friday night. Man, I can't wait for Friday night for uh, that game. That's going to be an incredible game to watch. Um, you know, uh, I love Channel 46 what they do for the game of the week. I know it's New Prairie and Riley, but I got to say, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder why it's not Northwood and Mishawaka. That would be a great game to, to watch on TV. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of great matchups in the NIC conference this week, uh, but I do want to highlight two games. Uh, Angola, who is four and two, they play at Mishawaka Marion, who is two and four. Now, folks, don't get caught up in this in the records here, team records. Uh, when you look at the strength of schedule, Marion has played a tougher schedule. Uh, they come from a, a better conference, NIC conference, uh, rather than Angola's NECC conference. Um, I think this game will be closer than what the team's win-loss records may indicate. Uh, Marion needs to focus on Angola star quarterback Tyler Call. Um, he does a lot for the Hornets. Uh, how will Angola's defense handle Marion's athletes in space? I don't think Angola has seen the type of athletes that they're going to see this Friday. Now, the key to the game will be the battle and the trenches. I like Marion winning a close game here. It's going to be tough. It's going to have to take a lot of grit. But I like the Marion Knights getting their third win of the season against the Angola Hornets. Next game in the NIC is John Glenn 3-3 three and three at LaVille 6-0. Uh, the Falcons started the season off 3-0. and They were playing really well. Uh, but since then, they've dropped three in a row. Now, those losses, Aaron, were to Jimtown, Knotts, and Bremen. So, you know, that's not the easiest stretch by any means. Uh, the Lancer defense, in particular, secondary, will need to limit John Glenn's quarterback, Aiden Johnson. He's having a nice year this year down there at uh, Walkerton and has a multitude of wide receivers, especially – their star playmaker, Tyron Larkin. Now, LaVille has offensive weapons of their own in Plummer and DeWitt. This is an interesting matchup just because John Glenn is from the NIC, and historically they've had the upper hand when it comes to LaVille. The Lancers are having a magical year. Last week's surprisingly narrow win against Knotts will factor into this game as I think they'll have a great week of preparation and be dialed in this coming Friday. I like LaVille winning this game and being 7-0. and Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about college football. You can listen to the Will and Aaron Show podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube and like our videos. Follow us on Twitter at Will Aaron Show. You can follow the Will and Aaron Show Facebook page where you can interact by commenting, liking, sharing, and reviewing our podcast. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show where we talk about local college and pro uh, sports. Uh, We are going to talk about some of the big headlines in college football. Let's start off with uh, Notre Dame's uh, win on the road against North Carolina, 45-32. Drew Payne threw for 289 yards and three touchdowns. The Irish compiled 287 yards on the ground, led by Audrey Estime, uh, with 134 yards rushing and two touchdowns. 
He had a 7.9 yards per carry average. Now, last week on our podcast, we talked about Audric and how uh, we wanted to see him get more uh, carries. And I know they don't listen to the Will and Aaron show, the Notre Dame folks. But, hey, it was good to see that he did get more carries. And he definitely had a, a big impact on this overall game. Uh, Chris Tyree had 80 yards and one touchdown. And the other running back, sophomore Logan Diggs, 50 yards. Now, this is the first time I've seen Logan Diggs in the game. Uh, I liked where I saw Aaron. Michael Mayer led all Irish receivers with seven receptions and one touchdown. Lorenzo Styles and Logan Diggs each added a receiving touchdown as well. Now, give credit to the offensive line for Notre Dame. They played well. The Irish defense played well at times against, um, quite frankly, a good North Carolina offense. And that offense is going to put up big numbers against most of the teams they face this year. Notre Dame moves to 2-2, two and two, while North Carolina drops to 3-1 and one on the season. Yeah, it seemed like the Irish adjusted. Tommy Reese did some things offensively, getting their playmakers the ball, kind of like what you alluded to uh, last week. Sometimes it just comes down to that, getting guys like Mayer, Audric, and Tyree the ball more. So it's a good win for them. Absolutely, man. It's great to see the improvement. Uh, it's, it's nice to see Notre Dame football back to what we're used to seeing. Uh, Cincinnati 45, Indiana 24. Connor Beslick was modestly accurate, throwing for 280 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Sean Shivers led the Hoosier rushing attack with 79 yards and one touchdown. Cam Camper, IU's number one wide receiver, had 10 receptions and 126 yards receiving. Henderson and Shivers both had a receiving touchdown. Now defensively, Cam Jones once again led the Hoosiers in tackles with 11, and Mullins had an interception as well. Now, Indiana, we knew, had a little margin for error going into this game. And, and Aaron, they just simply made too many costly mistakes, you know, including those three big turnovers. You just can't beat a team like Cincinnati with three turnovers. And a quarterback who completes less than 50% of his passes, that's not a good recipe. Uh, if, if Indiana played their best game and uh, they played really well, I think they actually could have beaten Cincinnati. Uh, but uh, they just didn't do that. Uh, Indiana, to me, has potential to, to be a good, solid team. They just need to put four quarters of quality football together, uh, and until they do that, you know, we're going to see the, the, this roller coaster, if you will, a play throughout the game. Now, Indiana drops to 3-1 on the season. Yeah, I think we kind of talked off the off the podcast about how this would be a tough game for them to win. They just couldn't, just not quite there yet as a program. All right, moving on to Purdue. Uh, they outlasted Florida Atlantic University 26-24. to Austin Burton got the start at quarterback for Aiden O'Connell, who's uh, injured. So Burton completed 72% of his passes, had 166 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. So kind of a neat story. Burton's been waiting to get a chance to start. So it's been about two and a half years. And he, one of those stories where your time comes and you help deliver. So uh, the FAU team had a chance to win in the fourth quarter, but they failed on a two-point conversion after scoring their final touchdown. Purdue was able to run the ball 
when they needed to, and they close out the game on defense when they recovered a FAU fumble. You know, Aaron, this is one of those games that you are a Purdue fan. You, you almost feel like you lost this game even though you won the game. I mean, FAU had more total yards on offense than Purdue did. Uh, let me remind folks who are listening to this podcast, FAU plays in Conference USA. Uh, Purdue has taken care of business earlier than they did, uh, but they allowed the Owls to stay in this game uh, really till the end. Uh, the Boilermakers, they got some work to do, Aaron, till, uh, when they uh, continue Big Ten play here. Yeah, no, no doubt. Both IU and Purdue have some work to do, like you said. Notable scores around college football, so like basketball schools like Syracuse and Canvas, or Kansas moved to 4-0 after beating Virginia and Duke, respectively. You know, so I heard on ESPN, this is interesting, Kansas has a sellout before USC has sold out their home game. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, It feels like 2008 for the Jayhawks, which is the last time they were relevant on the national stage. Clemson needed two overtimes to remain unbeaten against Wake Forest. What a game that was. Uh, we thought it would be close, and it sure was. It was close. Yeah, middle Tennessee knocks off number 25, Miami, 45-31. to 31. The Blue Raiders scored on an incredible 98 touchdown pass in this one. I thought that was a crazy highlight. Yeah, that was a crazy highlight. I saw that one. Uh, USC narrowly escapes Oregon State 17-14. The Trojans proved that when... Their offense plays at a below subpar level. They can still find a way to win, and that's a sign of a good team, Aaron. Definitely. And Kansas State knocks off the number six Sooners in Norman, Oklahoma, by a score of 41-34. to Wildcats quarterback Adrian Martinez had a great game leading the way with his legs and his arm. Now, Jimbo Fisher took a lot of heat when he lost it. Uh, App State. Uh, by the way, App State just lost to Jameis, uh, Jame, Jameson, I think. Um, so uh, the Aggies, however, they get a huge win against Arkansas, twenty-three twenty-one. Now they were at, the Aggies were actually favored in this game, although Arkansas was, at that time was ranked tenth in the country. I think Tasmania was like twenty-third, uh, but a big win, much needed win for the Aggies. Yeah, and Tennessee finally beats a rival Florida 38-33 to remain unbeaten at 4-0. You know, uh, we talked about on the last podcast how long it's been since Tennessee beat Florida. Uh, In fact, game day on ESPN was at Tennessee for this game. Uh, So just a lot of uh, good energy in the volunteer program for football. Oregon, this was an incredible game, Aaron, Uh, football after dark here. Oregon scored 21 points in the span of just a few minutes to stun Washington State late in the fourth quarter, 44-41, a heartbreaking loss if you're a Cougar fan. If you're Oregon, ah, sigh of relief, got the win, and you move on to a big game against Stanford next week. Yeah, then uh, Texas Tech upset uh, Texas 37-34 after a game-winning field goal in overtime. Huge win for the Raiders there. 
uh, let's look at, uh, so if you recall last week, uh, we, Aaron and I started a, our college picks, kind of like we did for high school. Um, and uh, Aaron went 2-0, I went 2-1 in our picks. Uh, so we're going to do the same thing this week. We're going to have our college picks here. So Friday, this is my game here, Friday, 10.30 o'clock uh, on ESPN, you have 4-0, 15th ranked Washington at 4-0 UCLA. Now Washington, as we record this, is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, I'm sure that will change by the time uh, kickoff starts. Uh, former Hoosier quarterback Michael Pennis Jr. So far, he's had a great year at Washington. 12 touchdowns to just one interception. UCLA is a little more balanced on offense than Washington is. Uh, this will be the Huskies' first road game of the season in what should be a, uh, a wild night game. I think Washington has been ballot tested more. They've got a tougher schedule. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to pick the Huskies in a very close, tough game here. I like that pick. Uh, Saturday at noon, four and zero, number seven ranked Kentucky at four and zero, uh, Mississippi, who's ranked fourteenth. Mississippi a four point favorite in this one. I'm assuming because they're the home team. Um, I'm gonna go with Kentucky in this one. I just I'm gonna keep riding Kentucky. Um, if Kentucky turns into football school, that's great for me as well as an IU fan. <laughs> All right, going with the Wildcats of Kentucky there. Uh, so also at noon on ESPN2, the 2-2 two and two, uh, Purdue squad at 4-0 Minnesota Gophers. Uh, the Gophers are a 10-point favorite, and I tell you what, uh, they're rowing their boat up in Minnesota right now. Things are going very well. Aiden O'Connell should be back for Purdue. Uh, I would assume this game will come down to who can impose their style of play on the other team. Obviously, Purdue wants to pass. Minnesota wants to run the ball. Um, Purdue has played a tougher schedule, I think. Uh, despite their record, they are a, they are a solid team. Minnesota has taken care of business against a lesser opponent, so that's good to see. Uh, that Michigan State win, Aaron, was really nice for Minnesota. Um, yeah. But we, I, I, I truly don't know how good the Spartans are, really. I mean, does anybody? Uh, it just seems like their season is falling apart, as it seems right now. I don't think Minnesota will cover the spread, but they will get a win here in a close game. I think Purdue is going to really push them all the way to the end. But I, I, got, I like Minnesota here getting the victory. At 3.30, well, I like, I like that pick too. Sorry, at 3.30, CBS, uh, number two, Alabama, who's 4-0 at 3-1. Arkansas is at time of recordings, ranked 20th. Man, uh, tough few games for Arkansas. I, I don't see how they're going to beat Bama. Uh, Bama's a 16-and-a-half favorite. I think they're just too talented, too deep, and I see the roll tide rolling in this one. I like your pick, Aaron. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, that's a tough two-game stretch. Aggies and then uh, Alabama right after that. Okay, also at 3-3 on Fox, 3-0, number 9th ranked Oklahoma State. 
Um, at 3-1, number 16th ranked Baylor Bears. The Bears are a one-half point favorite. Oklahoma State has a powerful passing game. Baylor's more off, uh, balance on offense. Uh, Oklahoma State hasn't really played anyone yet, so this is their first real test of the season and is also on the road. I do like Baylor getting a win in a close game here. Sikkim Bears. All right, 330 ABC, number 22, Wake Forest, who's 3-1 and one at 4-0, and oh, and number 23, Florida State. FSU is the four-point favorite. Man, this is a good one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Florida State at home, and they're going to improve to 5-0. and oh. Seems like a, a Florida State is kind of under the radar right now. This could be a huge win for their program. It could be. You know, I, Florida State is kind of like Texas, and, like, they're traditionally a, uh, I don't know if you want to call it, like a blue blood program or a powerhouse house. But in the last decade or so, it's like they haven't really done much. So, you know, are they back? Are they back? I don't know. I kind of want to say they're back into the upper echelon of college football. But then every time we say that, it's like they, they lose that big game. So I, yeah. it feels like they're going to win this game, though. It really does. Yeah, it does. But I like your pick. I like your pick. Uh, also at 3.30 on ESPN2, 3-1 Iowa State Cycles at 4-0 Kansas uh, Jayhawks. Now the Cyclones are a three-point favorite. Uh, Jalen Daniels is a name that, uh, if you don't know yet, you're going to get to know him. He is the man on campus for the Jayhawks. He's Mr. Do-It-All for Kansas. Uh, he's got the Jayhawks with their best start in a long time. I'm telling you, David Booth Memorial Stadium will be rocking and rolling this coming Saturday. Huge crowd on hand for this Big 12 game. The Cyclones' biggest win so far is against Iowa. Of course, that was back when Iowa was still trying to find their offense. Some would say they're, they're still looking, but they are playing better of late. Kansas road wins against West Virginia and Houston. You know, those are impressive wins. Many college football experts had Houston as a potential group of five champion. Obviously, we know that you know, they're not playing as well as we thought they, they were going to. In honor of our good Bethel friend, Ryan Starkle, I'm going to go against the spread here and pick the Kansas Jayhawks to go 5-0. and And, yes, they're going to be Iowa State. I just think they've got the momentum right now. They have a solid team. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do beat Iowa State. Yeah, that's a great pick, Will. I like that one. Uh that would be great for Kansas. At seven o'clock, ESPN three and one LSU at three and one Auburn. LSU is seven and a half point favorites. Um, I like LSU to get the win here. I think Auburn's kind of a team that's looking a little disappointing at times. I think Brian Kelly will get the Tigers a win in this one. Yeah, uh, it's been a whirlwind since the summer. Uh, you had all that drama with Coach Harson. Is he the coach? Is he not the coach? Is he going to fire? Uh, people want him out. Uh, and then it's just been kind of awkward since then. Uh, but they, they are 3-1, and one, Auburn is. And it is, at, it is at home. So this will be an interesting game. Can Brian Kelly win a, uh, what many would call, this is a big game. Uh, and this would be a huge win for Brian Kelly for sure. 
uh, at 7.30. Uh, this probably is the game of the week for all college football. Uh, 4-0, number 10, North Carolina State. At 4-0, number 5, Clemson Tigers. Now the Tigers are a seven-point favorite. Uh, this top 10 showdown in the ACC, uh, North Carolina just beat Texas. That was a good win. Clemson's win against Wake Forest was solid. DJ needed to show improvement this year, and he, I think he has answered his credits. He's getting better. Uh, this will be Clemson's third conference game of the year uh, as compared to the Wolfpats opening conference game. I, that might play uh, be a factor. Uh, both teams pass more than they run. And both teams had quality quarterbacks. Uh, this might come down, Aaron, to whoever has the ball last wins. You know, that, that type of game. I can see a high-scoring marathon game. I think the Clemson dynasty is starting to show some cracks uh, in their program. And other ACC programs are beginning to catch up. You look at NC State, Florida State. You could even say Miami is starting to make some gains on the Clemson program here. I'm picking the Wolfpack to get the upset against Clemson and Death Valley on the national stage in prime time. I, it's a risk. I know it's a risk, but I just had this weird, weird feeling that North Carolina is going to get a huge win on the road. Awesome. And the Wolfpack in the upset win. I like, I like picks like that. That's great. Uh, 730, Big Ten Network, 3-1 Indiana at 1-3 Nebraska. And Nebraska is a three and a half favorite in this one. Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I <laughs> I think IU will. Win. I think IU is gonna win, but I would not be surprised if they lost. I think Indiana's Indiana has a little bit more continuity, you could say. So I like them to get the win here. You know, only, Nebraska is the only one in three team that would be a. Three and a half point favorite over Indiana. Yeah. Uh, you, it's going to be a sellout crowd. You know that. It's going to be loud. It's going to be uh, an amazing atmosphere because it's Nebraska Cornhusker football. Um, but I think IU is a better team. I really do. I mean, I've seen Nebraska a couple of times now, and they just don't, like, scare me that much. But you never know. It is Nebraska, and you know, and they had the uh, bye week just this past week. They had a, so they've had two weeks to get ready for IU, so that could be a factor as well. So yeah, who knows? Good. I ho- hopefully your pick is right. <laughs> yeah, it'll be go, a long go season. Yeah. <laughs> go Hoosier. All right, let's move on to topic four. We're going to talk about some NFL headlines here. Uh, now let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan gets his first win of his Indianapolis Colts career. Um, they stunned the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. to 17. Uh, This was a must win, and, and obviously they came through. Ryan threw two touchdowns to rookie Jelani Woods. The Chiefs bowed up Taylor, who only had 71 yards rushing. Uh, the Chiefs were really in control of this game for the most part, Aaron. But miscues down the stretch, open the door just enough for the Colts to come back. Uh, a failed fake field goal, a personal foul on a third and long defensive stop that would have been a, a punt for the, for the Colts, and a missed field goal attempt kept uh, Indianapolis uh, uh, alive in this game, really. 
Kansas City brought a lot of fans to Lucas Oil Stadium. There was a lot of red in the stands, but they went home disappointed as Kansas City loses the first time this season. Wow, yeah, this is a surprising game. For um, Yeah, I didn't see this one coming. But, you know, the NFL, you got to play well to win. It doesn't matter who you play. Just another example of that. And then in the Chicago game, pretty typical Chicago win here. Uh, Khalil Herbert came up big for injured uh, running starting running back David Montgomery in this one. Um Herbert rushed for 157 yards and got the Bears only two touchdowns of the game. Uh, a pretty Bearsy win, like I said. Roquan Smith picked off David Mills to set up would be the game-winning field goal for uh, Santos with time time expiring. Justin Fields, I mean, didn't really have an outstanding game. Kind of did just enough. He went eight of 17 with 106 yards. And the Bears overcame his two interceptions and got the win. So, yeah, the Bears get a win, 23-20. to 20. You know, Aaron, this is like a, the typical Chicago Bears-style win, right? Play great defense. Quarterback just does enough to win and rely on your running game. So, uh, great. I mean, who would have thought the Bears would be 2-1 and one after three games? I sure didn't think so. But, wow, what a start for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, some other some other NFL headline news here. Uh, Miami beats Buffalo 21-19 to remain unbeaten. Wow, that was a huge win for the Dolphins there. Aaron Rodgers gives the better of Tom Brady as the Packers beat the Buccaneers 14-12. I watched the end of this game, and it was just fascinating to watch those two go back and forth. And uh, Buccaneers just fell short, couldn't convert uh, the two-point conversion to tie it up at the end. Uh, so let's look at the biggest can't-miss games for next uh, weekend for Sunday. Uh, 1 o'clock, you have on Fox uh, 1 and 2, uh, Tennessee at 1, 1 and 1, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, this is a huge uh, divisional game for both teams. Uh, you got to think Indianapolis has to win this game, Aaron. Yeah, definitely a must win, really for both teams. Probably, if they want to. <laughs> am I saying this? If they want to keep up with Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a huge win for Jacksonville today. I mean, they blew out. Um, uh, I don't even remember who they blew out, but it was like thirty-eight something. Yeah, I think it was the Chargers, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Chargers. They have a lot of Chargers. Thank you. No problem. At 1 o'clock on Fox, the 2-0 Giants will face the 2-1 Bears. The Giants could be 3-0 if they win Monday night. And then 1 o'clock on CBS, the 2-1 Buffalo Bills uh, at the 2-1 Baltimore Ravens. This This could be a great game. You know Buffalo's going to be mad after they lost the first one of the year. Um, great game here. Two great offenses going at each other. That should be a fun one. And then Sunday night, NBC 820 kickoff is 2-1 Kansas City at 2-1 Tampa Bay. Mahomes versus Brady again in prime time. Kids, get your popcorn ready. This is going to be a great offensive game here. Uh, two great quarterbacks. I can't wait. How about this? You have 
Rodgers and Brady, and then the Nets when you get Mahomes and Brady. I mean, you can't get better than that. That's great. Yeah, way to schedule there. The NFL did a good job. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to finish off our last two topics, talking about the South Bend Cubs and the Major League Baseball. If you are enjoying our podcast and want to donate, please find the donation link in our show notes. Any donation, no matter how small, will make a big difference in helping us bring you better quality podcast shows. Welcome back to the Will and Aaron Show, where we talk about local college and pro sports. We're going to talk about the South Bend Cubs. Uh, so in game one, they beat, uh, they're in the uh, Midwest League Championship here uh, for minor league baseball. Uh, in game one, Lake County won 11-8, which means that they were in a must-win situation for game two, and the Cubs won 4-3. So it set up the final game three, the win all to win all. The Cubs won Aaron seven to four to win their second Midwest League championship in three years. The Cubs' tenth ranked prospect. We're talking about the Chicago Cubs here. The tenth ranked prospect Owen uh, Cassie had a three-run home run. Uh, some of these something Cubs we could see at Wrigley down the road, Aaron. Wow, congrats to the South Bend Cubs. It's exciting. Yeah, it, it is exciting. Uh, now, we've had several South Bend Cubs go on and play in the major leagues. Uh, Carlton Fisk, you may, a lot of people may not know this, uh, he is a Red Sox legend. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame for baseball, but he had a pit stop right here in South Bend at one time. Uh, current Cubs, David Bodie and Ian Happ, both Spent time here in South Bend for the for the Cubs system. George Bell, he's a three-time All-Star. He played for the uh, Blue Jays, Cubs, and White Sox. Uh, Terry Francona, people remember him for winning a World Series at Boston Red Sox. He's now the current manager for the Cleveland uh, Guardians. He was at one time a manager for the South Bend White Sox. Um, Justin Upton. Four-time All-Star. He currently plays for the Los Angeles Angels. Of course, he played at Tampa Bay Rays as well. Uh, just to name a few uh, guys who came through South Bend at one point or another. So congratulations to our South Bend Cubs for being crowned the 2022 Midwest League champions. Let's move on to topic six. Our last topic of the uh, podcast, Major League Baseball headlines. Of course, we got to kick off with Albert Pujols. Aaron, he did it. 700 home runs. What a moment that was for him, the Cardinals fan base, and Major League Baseball as well. On September 14th, uh, he also became the third player in MLB history to have 2,200 RBIs in a career. And on September 23rd, that's when he became the fourth player to hit 700 career home runs. He actually hit two home, uh, home runs in that game against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Aaron, your thoughts? Wow, pretty historic first Latino player to reach that milestone. What a, what a great story for baseball, for sure. So that was not the only, only milestone that occurred in, since our last podcast. Uh, 
Aaron Judge. Aaron, why don't you talk about Aaron Judge? Yeah, the king of the Bronx right now is one home run shy of tying Roger Maris for 61 home runs in the American League. As of this recording, they're playing on ESPN against the Boston Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. What an opportunity for Aaron Judge to be the to tie the record on baseball's biggest stage. Of course, the AL home run season record is a far cry of what the NL record is. So Barry Bonds had 73 in 2001. Mark McGuire, 70 home runs in 1998. Sammy Sosa, 64 in the same season. Mark McGuire got 65 in 99. Sammy Sosa hit 64 in 2001. Sammy Sosa hit 63 in 99 as well. Roger Maris, 61 in 1961 in the AL. So uh, by the time you hear this podcast, uh, Aaron Judge may or may not have tied uh, his record, Roger Maris, 61. Uh, but that would be neat to see as well uh, to break to break the record. Uh, let's look at the playoff picture here for the Major League Baseball. Uh, we have four, uh, three divisional champions as of this recording. AL Central Division, Cleveland Guardians. AL West Division, Houston Astros. And the NL West Division, Los Angeles Dodgers. And the other races... Uh, now, when you hear this recording, uh, they may have already clinched. There's actually a good chance they will. Uh, but as of right now, they have not yet. AL East Yankees, uh, they're currently eight games uh, lead over Toronto. Any, in the next couple of games, they probably will clinch. Uh, the National League East, that's the closest race in baseball. The Mets currently have a game and a half lead over Atlanta. But I believe Atlanta won today, so that may have changed. Uh, the NL Central, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they currently have a seven-game lead over Milwaukee. They will clinch their division within a few days as well. And uh, the wild card race in the American League, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle look to be in good shape here. Uh, Baltimore is four games back. They probably won't catch up those other teams. And now in the National League, you got the Braves, the Padres, and uh, Philadelphia. Um, they're in a good position. Now, y- you might want to look at the, the Phillies and Brewers because the Brewers are only two games back. Uh, so that might be a race that could really tighten up, especially in the next two weeks here. So we'll have to take a look at that. Uh, this concludes our episode. We want to thank you for listening to The Will and Aaron Show. Tune in next week as we discuss more local college and pro sports.